0: Pastor Glenn said, hey, good luck following that. <laughs> it's like a little joke. And I don't even know what to do. So, hey, happy Easter. Great to see you all here. <clears throat> Picture it maybe like this, that maybe as Jesus was for three years with his disciples doing these incredible things and speaking these incredible things that people were absolutely blown away by, maybe Matthew's just writing notes man, I remember when he did this. I remember when he did this. And all of a sudden, he just, he puts it all together, and now it's coming to an end. It's all happened already. And I don't think that this is just something that took a few days, but I think this took years of him just trying to remember what it is that Jesus had done and said to try to pass it on. He's like, okay, so how do I end this? What's the big thing I need to make sure that people get, that they remember when they go? And we look at Matthew twenty-eight sixteen, 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, when they saw Jesus, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Now here's the part that doesn't make sense. I mean, if there's Jesus in the flesh, there's Jesus standing right before them, and there's some that are just worshiping him. And then there's other people that are looking at him and doubting that it's really him. Now, how do you get to that point where you see them, but you don't know that you believe it? But you've got to remember what they've gone through. See, on Friday, if you went to a Good Friday service, whether it's part of purpose or somewhere else, we were, re- we were reminded of what it is that Jesus went through. So you've got to remember that Matthew and the disciples and whoever else was here w- during this time, you've got to remember what they just witnessed uh, just a few days before all this stuff happens. See, Matthew remembers when Jesus says, Tonight, all of you will desert me. And how they all chimed in and said, no, no, no. And even Peter steps up and goes, even if, even if all these slackers desert you, I never will. I'll, I'll die with you. And to hear Jesus actually look at Peter and go, you'll be the worst one because you're verbally going to deny knowing me. Before morning, three times. And then it happened. He remembers watching Jesus and saying, hey, let's go to the garden. And then he, he tells them all to stay back except for three, Peter, James, and John, and And there was something different about his countenance. There was something different about his appearance that, see, while he's praying, he's praying, Father, take this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. And he's in such agony, he begins to sweat drops of blood. Do you realize there's a medical condition called hematidrosis that when you are so terrified that the capillaries in your forehead can burst and you will sweat drops of blood, that Jesus is in agony about what's going to happen. And yet he still prays, Father, take this cup. This cup is is the representation of the wrath of God that's coming. So take this cup that's directed at me. Take it, but not my will. Your will be done. He prays it at least three times, but he also prayed in that time. In John 17, around verse 24, where Jesus says, Father, I want those. You never hear Jesus say, this is what I want. He just... He always says, I only say the things I hear the Father saying. I only do the things I see the Father doing. But in this moment, he's like, Father, this is what I want. I want those that you have given to me to be with me where I am, to see me in all my glory. Friends, if we actually look at from Genesis to Revelation, what is the totality? What is the the main point? And I'm convinced, it's this God with us that we might be with him? Jesus remembered what it was like Jesus had to endure so much, and as Matthew's sitting there going, I still remember, I remember they came and arrested him, and we all took off, and the one that led the mob was one of us, it's Judas Iscariot, and he betrayed him with a kiss, and then they, they, they take him away, we all bolt. And then you fast forward, and he remembers, he's standing before Pilate, and Pilate says he hasn't done anything worthy of death, and so I have him scourged. To have, one, to have two Roman guards on each side of Jesus and to completely strip him of his clothing and to just, just to break apart his back with this cat of nine tails. Just picture a stick about 18 inches long and at the end of that stick is leather strips and at the end of those leather strips are pieces of metal and sharp rock and bone and glass and it just tears into the back of Christ. After they're done with that, they put a pope the purple robe on him. The, and then they took him about, before about 600 Roman guards. And you've got to remember that these are the guards that the Bible says that we're all knit together in our mama's womb, that Jesus is just standing there. The one who created them, he's just standing there silently as they're mocking, oh, hail, king of the Jews. And there's no worship. It's just mockery. But what's his prayer? God, I want those that you've given me to be with me where I am and to see me in my glory I remember he's coming back before Pilate and he, maybe Matthew's just writing this down and tears are coming down his face and he's just sitting there going ah remember when he says okay and he signs the edict and just throws and there goes Jesus carrying his cross and maybe from a distance he's watching because there no one's close All his disciples are taken up, maybe because they see as the spikes go through his wrists and his feet, and he hears Jesus just screaming out over and over, Father, forgive them. (laughs) They don't know what they're doing. He's just asking for forgiveness of those who are executing him. And as they hoist him up and gravity becomes too strong, for the one who created gravity, his elbows would dislocate, his shoulders would dislocate. Why is he going through this? Father, I want those to be with me, see me where I am to see me in my glory. I want them with me. At 9 a.m., he's he's put onto a cross. At noon, the sky goes dark like midnight. And about 3, all of a sudden, Jesus knows he's about to die. With a loud voice. The scriptures say with a loud voice. And I don't think it was just human loud. I think it was divinely loud. I think this is the thing that shook the universe. As the universe watched its creator scream out, it is finished! He used a banker's term that actually literally means paid in full. Every Old Testament sacrifice pointed to this time where God in human form comes and says, I will pay the price for what purpose? I want those that you have given to me to be with me where I am, to see me in all of my glory. If we stayed in Friday, it would seem like it's totally hopeless. But friend, Sunday happened. And it wasn't like this tug of war that Jesus is trying to come back from the dead and death's kind of holding him down. Then he gets strong enough. Now the scriptures say it was impossible for death to hold him down. And Jesus came back from the dead. And guys, that's our hope you imagine just sitting there going, yeah, I mean, that's what happened. And now we're looking at him and some of you are doubting. And Thomas, remember you? You doubted. He said, I'm not going to believe unless I touch the nail marks in his hand and put my hand up into his side. Isn't it amazing that Jesus shows up and he looks at Thomas and says, I know I showed up and I showed myself to the other disciples. Well, come here, touch my hands. Put your hand up into my side. Isn't it amazing that when Jesus resurrected, when he had his new body, he kept the scars And those scars will be the constant reminder when Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Guys, anyone who can beat death is in charge of everything. (laughs) Daniel chapter 7. Daniel writes this, I saw in the night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him, now listen, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. Now this is the best part. That all peoples, nations... And languages should serve him. His dominion in an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. This following Jesus is not for one particular time, one one particular people group, one particular place. This is for all people called to God that God has put us all on this planet for a purpose of what? To be with him. That's the purpose. So, the last thing that Matthew writes, he's like, oh, th- that word when he said it, and behold, I will be with you always. How long's that? To the very end of the age. Amen.
1: But I can't help but think. That as they heard Jesus say these words, all authority, all power in heaven on earth has been given to me, they're going, What's he gonna say next? And the next words out of Jesus' mouth were so unbelievable, they were so surprising. Because you see, I'm I'm convinced that the thing that oftentimes gets in the way of you living out the purpose that God has for you is you. It's your scars. That as they're seeing the scars of Jesus, they're thinking about their own scars. They're thinking about their own life. They're thinking about their own shortcomings. The ways that they missed it. The ways that they thought his teachings and his healings were awesome. But when it came to following him to the cross, they said, No thanks, I gotta check out here. The ways that they weren't faithful. And what I love about the scriptures is, especially if you're new to them, you're going to find this over and over again, is that God is constantly using people who are unqualified, people who don't have it all together, people who miss it to do a great work. And he's done this with you, and he's, he's doing this with me, even at our earliest ages. My, my son Charlie is five now, and when he was three years old, I remember my wife and I were watching him, and he was uh, in the living room reading a children's Bible, And we just thought, this is so adorable. This is so cute. And it didn't matter if the Bible was upside down, right? Like, you know, no judgment. No judgment, Charlie. Just thought that was awesome. He's reading the Bible upside down. We said, that's that's so great. And my wife and I, we sat back and we just said, man, we are awesome parents, right? And we're just doing it. He's reading the Bible. And then all of a sudden, like a few seconds later, Charlie rips the Bible, right? Which for like a pastor's kid is kind of a big deal, right? So he rips the Bible. And immediately Sarah and I, we run in and we go, Charlie, what are you doing? And he's got this big smile on his face. And he goes, oh, dad, dad, Jesus ripped it. <laughs> At which point I said, you're a liar and you ripped the Bible. That's not a good path, you know, man. You're struggling. And I, I, said, I said, Charlie, you, you ripped the Bible. Jesus didn't rip it. He doesn't rip his own book. You ripped the Bible, that's not okay. And we began to talk with him about taking ownership of his own sin, of his own brokenness, of his own decisions. And a few weeks later, he had a monster truck that he just cherished and loved. And, and he smashed that monster truck one day because he was so upset about something. And, and I remember I talked to him and he said, Daddy, I, I broke my truck. I broke my truck. And I said, I know, Charlie, you broke your truck. And he kept saying that for a few weeks. And and then one afternoon, we were driving in the car together and his eye caught my eye in the rearview mirror. And he said, Daddy, I broke the truck. I broke the truck. And I said, I know, man, I know. And then all of a sudden, this smile came over his face. All of a sudden, there was this this glimmer of hope. All of a sudden, there was this potential of a different end to this story. And and Charlie said, maybe daddy can fix it. I'm like, I can't fix it. I'm sorry. You know, like, I don't don't know how to fix a truck. But when he said that, I, I thought, isn't that a beautiful picture of the gospel? That when you and I come face to face with our brokenness, we at that moment have the opportunity to come face to face with the Jesus who says, I can fix it. That what I did on Friday and Sunday proves that I can fix it and that you can live the purposeful life that you were absolutely created to live. And as the disciples sit there and hear that Jesus has all power, all authority... And then he says these words, I guarantee they began to tremble. Jesus says, therefore, what's it there for? It's in response. It, it, it's, it, it's the response to this reality that he is the God of the universe. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Are you kidding me? Jesus says, I know your past. I know your scars. I know your brokenness. I know what your story has looked like up to this point and you think that you are getting in the way of my purposes and you've missed it if you think that. That the reality is, is that my gospel, that my death and resurrection, Jesus says, has the power to take unqualified nobodies And use them to change the world. You may be qualified to have your job. Or you may be qualified to have some of the responsibilities you hold. But nobody in this arena is qualified to go and make disciples of all nations. But Jesus, since day one, has always been in the business of calling and loving unqualified nobodies to change the world. Jesus wants to say to every single one of you on this Resurrection Sunday, because I died for your sin and because I rose from the grave to prove it, there is a part for you to play in my story. I'm not sitting you on the sidelines. I've got a game for you to be in. There is a purpose To your life. And maybe some of you right now, you're going, can you really believe in a resurrection? Like the guy was dead and then he came back? I get that. And so did a bunch of his disciples who, 12 of them said, Jesus, we liked your teaching. We liked your miracles. But if this story is going to end with me dying like you, I got to check out at this point. Well, on Friday, they made that decision. But on Sunday, they actually saw him rise from the dead. And what history tells us is that every single one of those disciples was tortured. They were martyred. They were separated from their families, not because they said Jesus was a nice guy, not because they liked his teachings, but because they proclaimed with every ounce of their being, he has risen. And when, he pro- when they proclaimed that, when they proclaimed that with their life, it cost them Their life. How do you explain on Friday a group of people saying, Yeah, Jesus, we liked you, but we're not ready to go there. On Sunday, they said, We will give it all up for you. It's only explained because Jesus actually rose from the dead. So, if you want a part in God's story, if you want to change the world, you've got to have one big vision and you've got to have one big goal. The vision is this everyone everywhere following Jesus. That's what we say at Purpose Church all the time, and it's a summarization of this passage where Jesus says, therefore, go into all nations. Everyone has value, not because you give them value or I give them value. You have value because you were created by the God of the universe who made you in his image. That everywhere, no matter what stage of life you find yourself in, God desires that you would follow Jesus, not just make a one-time decision or, or a moment, but that you would spend your entire life following Jesus. When he says, therefore, go and make disciples, that word disciple literally means a learner. It means it's an active lifestyle of you constantly being overwhelmed by the reality that God has died for your sin, that God has risen from the dead, and that there is a part for you to play in his is story because the resurrection is global it's for all people it's eternal it determines where we spend all of eternity and it is relational meaning it defines and shapes and reorders every relationship in our lives see you will be most fully alive when your life is a platform for god's glory when it's not a platform for your own glory and your own kingdom, but when you give your life away to the God who gave his life away for you. How do we do that? What's the goal? Jesus continues. I want you to be baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We say this a lot here at Purpose. Found people, find people. That if you've been found in Christ, and maybe today you're ready to make that decision. That maybe at the end of this message, that as Pastor Glenn leads us, you're ready to say, I wanna be found in Christ. I I wanna go from death to life. I'm ready to to surrender everything to Jesus. Then you have become a found person whose then sole purpose is going out and finding others and telling them how good Jesus is and the power and the difference that the resurrection makes. See, our goal and our vision, our dream is to introduce everyone we encounter to the Jesus who changes everything. Maybe for you that next step is gonna be baptism. Maybe for you that next step is surrendering your life to Jesus. Maybe that next step for you is looking at your family, your friends, your coworkers, and saying, how can I become a part of the greatest story in the history of the world? And so what Jesus said to them 2,000 years ago, he wants to say to you and I right now, now go, go. Because God has invited you to change the world. Right
2: here. And then part three, his plan. God made a way for you to be a part of his story. Would you look with me at your study outline? And it says how to become a follower of Jesus. And it talks about A, B, C. A, admit your condition before God. Just like Charlie had to admit he had broken the truck. He had torn the Bible. Uh, We have to admit that same thing. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now sinned is a a Bible word from 2,000 years ago in the Greek and Roman world. It was an archery term. It meant to shoot an arrow at the target for the bullseye and to miss the mark. Miss the mark. Every day I miss the mark. I get up in the morning and I say, I want to be a good person. And I aim for the bullseye. And I miss the mark. I get up in the morning and I say, I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good husband. And I shoot for the bullseye and I miss the mark. If you ask my wife, Kimberly, sometimes I miss the target. Sometimes I shoot in the opposite direction. I miss it. And the Bible says as a result of missing the mark, we fall short of the glory The perfection of God, the perfect standards of God. It puts a gap, a chasm, a canyon between a perfect God and an imperfect me. It's like the Grand Canyon, and we're trying to all jump across the Grand Canyon. And maybe the best jumper can go 28, 29 feet, and the worst jumper gets out six inches or a foot, but we all fall short. We all fall short morally of God's perfect standards. So that leads us to be Believe that Jesus Christ is God's only solution to your condition. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. The result of us missing the mark, of falling short, is spiritual death. We fall to our spiritual death. But, and that is the most beautiful little word in the Bible, but, but God, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, what we need to jump the Grand Canyon is not better jumping lessons. It's not better technique. It's not more training. No matter how hard we try in our own effort. It's not more religion. Nobody was more anti-religion than Jesus. It's not more religion. It's not more following a list of do's and avoiding a list of don'ts. It's not more ritual. It's not more spiritual enlightenment. What we need is a bridge from the other side back to us. That's the only way we're going to get across the Grand Canyon, is for a bridge to be built from one side to the other. And we believe that bridge was the cross of Jesus Christ. By his death on that cross, that first Good Friday, by his resurrection from the grave, that first Easter Sunday, he has built a bridge using the cross from a perfect God to an imperfect, to an imperfect me. But it's not enough to just see that bridge. It's not enough to just look at that bridge. We've got to walk on that bridge to get to the other side. And that leads us to see. Choose to follow Christ as your Savior and Lord. Jesus said, I tell you, whoever hears my word, that's what we've been doing this morning, through music, through singing, through worship, through prayers, through scripture reading, through, through preaching and teaching, we've heard the word of God and believes him who sent me? Do you feel something in your heart right now? Do you feel something stirring? And, and I don't mean you don't have any doubts. You don't have any questions. We all have questions. We all have doubts. We, we continue to struggle with various questions. But something in your heart, do you sense that it's true? Is there something within your heart? That's God speaking to you to believe. He's calling on you to hear his word, to hear his invitation. He's reaching out to you And now he wants you to reach back to him. You're not here this morning by accident. God invited you here by divine appointment. He wanted you right here at the Fairplex, Easter Sunday morning, 2018. He created those beautiful mountains that we can now see back there. When we were singing about them earlier, my wife leans over to me and says, ain't no mountains to see back there. But now we see them. But you know, here's the beautiful thing. And my wife, Kimberly, she she said this to me. She said, we believe they were there even when we couldn't see them. And sometimes you can see God working in your life and sometimes you can't, but he's still there nonetheless, just like those mountains. And then the sun burns it away and yep, there they are. But I believe they were there even when I couldn't see them. And so maybe something within your heart is saying, I've heard the word and I feel God tugging in my heart and believes him who sent me has eternal life, and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. You know, I just noticed that this this past week or so. What, What little word is in that phrase, crossed over? The word cross. The cross is the bridge by which we cross over from spiritual death to spiritual life. But we've got to not just see that bridge, we've got to walk on that bridge. 150 years ago, there was a famous uh, French tightrope walker named Charles Blondin. And he came over to the United States. He did exhibitions of tightrope walking all over uh, America. But the most spectacular one was he strung up a tightrope over Niagara Falls. Right over the rapids, where if he had fallen, he'd be swept right over the falls. 1,100 feet long. And a huge crowd gathered. Mainly because they wanted to see him fall. That's the way the crowd was there. But a big crowd came. And he walked across Niagara Falls and back, crowd cheers. He wheels a wheelbarrow across the tightrope, across Niagara Falls and back. The crowd roars. He gets an assistant, a man, to sit in the wheelbarrow. He wheels it across Niagara Falls and back. The crowd goes crazy. This one man in particular on the front row was just going nuts. And so Charles Blondin walked over to the man. He says, sir, do you believe I can walk over Niagara Falls and back on a tightrope? He goes, I believe it. Do you believe I can wheel a wheelbarrow across and back? The man said, I believe it. Do you believe I can wheel a man in a wheelbarrow across and back? And he said, I believe it. Charles Blondin said, well, get in the wheelbarrow. I'll take you for a ride. And he said, absolutely not. Which is exactly what I would say. But what I would not do for Charles Blondin, God is asking me to do for Jesus Christ. He's saying, get in the wheelbarrow. Put your trust. Yeah, you may still have questions. You may still have doubts and insecurities. But do you believe enough to take that first step? Do you believe enough for that? You you don't have to have all your questions answered, all your doubts answered. But do you believe enough to take a step towards God because he's taking a step towards you? And he says, climb in the wheelbarrow. Put your trust in me. Put your faith in me. Put your hope in me. It's not in your own Efforts to be good enough will never be good enough to jump the Grand Canyon. you got to have a bridge. And you got to trust in that bridge. And the name of that bridge is the cross of Jesus Christ. I want to give you a chance to do that right now. This is your moment. This is why you're here. This is why God invited you here for, for this moment right now. And I want to pray that little prayer that you'll see there in your study outline. I'm going to pray it out loud and I invite you to pray it silently in, in your own heart, just to yourself, as I pray it out loud. So let's do that together. Dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to earth. I believe Jesus was who he said he was and proved it by rising from death. I want to discover and begin following your plan and purpose for my life. I want to get to know you personally. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for dying for me and forgiving all my sins. Right here, right now, at the Fairplex in Pomona, California. Uh, 2018, Easter Sunday morning. I want to receive you as my Lord, and as my Savior. Thank you for your free gift of eternal life. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, there's a couple of next steps. Would you look on the back of your program with me? Would everybody just turn with me to the back of the program? And, and, and the, the next step, you'll see it in that yellow or golden section there that's highlighted As you leave in a few minutes after our closing song, you're going to see what's called the Connect Center. And there's one at each of the exits. As you leave, there's a thing called the Connect Center. And we've got a Following Jesus packet with some resources to help you in following Jesus. It's a free Easter gift from our church to you. We would just love to give this gift to you. And so stop by the Connect Center and please get a hold of that Following Jesus packet. And then maybe some of you are ready to follow Jesus in baptism. Just the verse that said, go ye therefore, uh, reach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the way people have shown outwardly for 2,000 years that they want to follow Jesus uh, by by baptism. And for 2,000 years, uh, people that want to follow Jesus have shown this outwardly. Jesus, if you'll acknowledge me uh, before other people, I will acknowledge you when I come back someday. And this is the way we We show outwardly that inwardly we've made a commitment to Christ. You say, Glenn, I haven't prepared. I didn't bring anything. We've got a change of clothes down here by the baptism tent. Uh, We've got towels. We've got everything you need. It's even, let me just tell you, it's warmer out in the sun right now. So it's even warmer out here. God did that just for you. And maybe you want to follow him in baptism uh, here at the conclusion of the service. Uh, Pastor Greg Zvalstead. he is our tallest pastor by an inch or two over Pastor Brian. And there's he is waving right over there. And you just go right to where Pastor Greg is. And then you'll be able to get down to the baptism tent right there. And you can change your clothes. And then we'll be doing baptisms during this closing song and at the end of the service as well. God bless you. Have a great Easter. Love to see you back next Sunday for our Reconnect series. I think this is going to be one of the most helpful practical series we've ever done here at Purpose Church. Would love to see you back sometime next week or, or in, the month of, uh, in the month of April. Let's stand up, and Haley's going to lead us within the river as we close out our time together.